Well, we've been talking about the river, the river living, and uh, I know last week, uh, in our absence, we was gone to um, Pastor Morgan's church. We uh, served there as a board on his board of directors, and so uh, they asked that uh, Renee and I come, and it was his birthday, so uh, he asked us to come and preach for him last week on that special day. So that's where we were and had a wonderful time. And I know that Sister Melissa did a wonderful job here sharing the word and talking about learning how to swim. You know, you have to trust. There has to be trust if you learn how to swim. Right? And if you're going to trust God, if you're going to swim in the spirit and the things of God, you've got to learn how to trust God and depend upon him for um, you to be able to go into the deep things of the spirit. Praise God. And uh, we talked about several things over the past several weeks about um, going from the pool to the river. Uh, there's, there is a pool life that, that has been developed and, and we have continued it on in the church where that, and the pool is good. Everyone say the pool is good. But there comes a time when the pool party is over. Amen. And whenever the man was laying at the pool waiting uh, in John chapter 5, he was waiting on the stirring of the waters and Jesus shows up to challenge the spirit of permanency. This man had been laying there for 38 years and 38 years is a long time to be sick. Amen. In fact, I told you that whenever you first get sick, people pray for you. Whenever you first have a problem or a situation, we declare we're coming up out of this, right? We're going to overcome this situation. But the longer you're in a situation, the more we uh, begin to allow that to become the permanent way. It becomes normal. We normalize things that are not normal, right? And it's not normal for us to be sick every day of our life. Amen. It's not normal for us to be broke every day of our life. It's not normal for us to, you know, it's not normal for us to be fighting among family and throwing things in the house. <laughs> and fussing and cussing and carrying on. Come on, somebody. That's, but we normalize those kind of things. And this man had been there some 38 years and it becomes normal after a while, even to the point that he begins to determine that, that it is uh, so normal that he tells Jesus why it is that he needs to be this way, right? I, I'm here for 38 years. Do you want to be made well? And he don't say yes or no. He begins to talk about why he's been here for 38 years that I couldn't get in the water. There was somebody always cut in line that nobody would help me, right? And now he is determining or de telling why he has been here for these 38 years. And Jesus cuts to the chase and he says, I don't, I, it isn't about your past, it's about your now. And I'm here not just to change your now, but I'm here to change your future. And so he puts him on, a, on the stage or on the point and he says, do you want to be made well? And he, and he says, well, all of these excuses. And then Jesus tells him to arise, right? Arise. Because you've got the first thing, if you're ever going to move out of where you've been, you've got to get up. Tell somebody you've got to get up. Amen. The Bible says this. It says that 
Jesus was baptized in Jordan. How many know that Jesus wasn't baptized in Jordan because he needed it? He, he was baptized in Jordan for us. Amen. He was the sinless lamb of God. He didn't need to be baptized, but he did it as an example to you and I. But it's interesting to me that the Bible didn't say that when he asked John to baptize him, that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. It didn't even say that the spirit of the Lord came upon him while he was being baptized. But when he came up, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Could it be that the spirit of the Lord is waiting for you to get up? Oh, I'm already preaching better than you letting on. Amen. God doesn't anoint, anoint people that don't do nothing. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Amen. The, there's no use to, to, to be charging a battery that doesn't work. Huh? There's no use putting gas in a car that doesn't run. And God doesn't anoint us till we get up. But when we get up, the spirit comes down. The spirit of the Lord comes upon those who will get up. So the first thing you've got to do is get up. Amen. And then he tells him, take up his bed and begin to walk because he's saying to him that you're changing addresses. You're not going to come back to this place that you've been. You're not going to be here in uh, 38 years in one day. Today is the day that everything changes in your life and your zip code is about to change. So get your bed and take it with you because what you have normalized, you will have a tendency to come back to where your bed is. Amen. So get your bed and take it with you. Glory to God. And then he tells him to rise, take up his bed and walk. And then they, the religious people got upset because that it was on the Sabbath day. You aren't supposed to be get healed on the Sabbath day. Now, Jesus didn't make that law. Religious people did. Amen. But there was a limit at the pool where that only one person could get healed at a time. It was seasonal and you could only get healed at the right season at the right time. But Jesus comes and breaks up all of that. He says the pool was good for a season, but now that season is over and I'm here. And he begins to speak to them, I believe, this spirit that of normalcy, a spirit of doing away, a thing where that only one person at a time is able to get healed. Only one person at a time is able to get delivered. And Jesus shows up and says, I'm better than that. And because I'm here... Things are about to change. Amen. Thank God for how you used to do it. Thank God for the pool. But now it is time for the river of God. And he brings us into Ezekiel and he shows us there in chapter 47, a river that is symbolic. It is a, 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 a prophetic word. Amen. To this last day generation that no longer will we be sitting at a pool where one person is getting saved at a time. One person is getting healed at a time it is a seasonal thing but he says there in this last day there is going to be a river glory to God and the river it isn't just about one person getting healed but everyone that the river touches gets healed huh 
Everyone that gets in the river gets saved. Everyone that gets in the river gets delivered. Everything that it touches is prospered and blessed. And so we see that today. And that's where God is wanting us to go in this last day church. It isn't about us bringing everything in. It's about releasing. Amen. Forsake not the assembly of yourself together as a matter of some are, but even as you see the day approaching, even more come into the house of God. Is that the word? I said, is that the word? Amen. That's the word of God. As you see the days approaching, get into the house of God even more. He's saying, stay connected. The river starts at the altar, right? And if we stay in the altar... We stay at that place where the river, we've got to stay connected to that, but we don't stay there. We are released, and when we release, we go into the community, and wherever we are in the community, we are to affect the community. Amen. You don't have to stop being a coach, affect the people being a coach. Amen. You don't have to stop being part of the community, but affect the community and where you're at. Don't, don't, don't compartmentalize this thing where that we just come to church on Sunday and do our thing. Right. And then leave here and become undercover agents. No, God wants us today to affect our community. He wants us to affect Walmart. I said to you, why, why not aisle five? I don't know, but I'm just using it for an example. But in aisle five, what would happen if it were got more uh, popular for people being healed of cancer than it is Cheerios? Amen. Now you look at me funny because that's never happened, but I believe it can Amen. Because we, the day, uh, listen, I know I'm just talking a little bit today, but I'm pastoring. And, and today, the, this thing of, of superstars is over. This day of, of people that are looking to all these popularity and the parades of flesh, those days are over. We're, we're about to step into something that comes from the pool into the river where the people know who their God is. And when they know who their God is, they're going to operate in power and authority, not just on Sunday morning, but every day of their life. Amen. Amen. And so I envision that, that somebody that gets sick and they have cancer and, 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 and there's just, it isn't a pastor, it isn't a, a leadership, it is just somebody that has a relationship with God. And they meet up with some, some woman over there in aisle five and, and they say they're getting Cheerios together and they find out that they have cancer and she says, well, I just know how to get rid of that. And if you want me to, I'll help you with that. And, and just lay hands on them in aisle number five. Amen. And, and cancer goes. And she tells somebody else, said, well, I know how, how to get rid of cancer. Well, what church do I go to? Oh, you don't have to go to it. What, what preacher do I go to? You just go over to Walmart, aisle number five, to that little silver-haired lady over there. And, and she prayed for me, and the cancer was gone off of my life. Amen. You see, I believe that's what God really intended for the church to be. Because you see, 
the Mormon church, whatever you call it, the Mormon church or Mormon faith is growing faster in America than nearly any other movement that is in America. And they don't have a pastor. They don't have a woman or thou art loose conference. They don't have good music. They don't have the latest worship songs. I've never been to the church. I'm just going on what I was told. But they just sing old dead dried up stuff over there. And yet people are coming in and being changed, getting, believing their message and they're growing. Huh? How is that? Because they tell us today that if you don't have this, you don't have that, and you don't have this, and you don't have that, then you can't grow the church. But yet they're growing. They're whatever you want to call it is. They're growing it. How is it? I'll tell you how it is. Their people believe the message. Their people are evangelizing. Every day they're winning somebody. Every day they're believing in what they've been taught. They believe in what their message is. And the people are going and making an impact and a difference. What if the kingdom of God would get a hold of that understanding? Amen. Thank you. So that's what we've been talking about. Do we really want to make an impact or do we just want to come and sing Kumbaya? Do we want to change our city? Do we want to change our region? Do we want to make an impact for the glory of God or do we just want to continue to come here on Sunday mornings and go through some religious systems and say, glory to God, we met our quota this year. Amen. But I'm a firm believer and convinced that if we believe the message of the kingdom, that it's more than just a Sunday morning thing. It is a lifestyle in which we live. Amen. But we don't believe. We, 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 are, we, are, we shrink away from telling our story. We shrink away from telling the gospel message. Amen. And this is what they, they've taught us in the past few years is get people to invite folks to church. And how many know that's good? You ought to invite folks to church. But I'm going to take it a step further because I believe that the... <laughs> I know, I'm just going to do it. I believe the church has been too easy upon its people for the last 25 years and have made us weak and anemic to the point that everything is put on the church, put on the preacher. Huh? And we have no responsibility to tell our story. Now, thank God for the people that you invite. Thank God if you're here today for the first time, we're glad you're here. Amen. I sincerely mean that. We're glad you're here. But what is it? How is it that we're going to fulfill the scripture that the church shall grow daily such as pleasing to God if we only have an opportunity for people to get saved on Sunday morning? 
How is it that, that, that the word of the Lord is going to be fulfilled if we only t- give people the privilege? Yes, come with me and, and come to my church and you can get saved on Sunday. Amen. That's good. That's good if they make it. But what if it's Wednesday and they die on Friday? We've got to begin to believe that we are saved. And that our salvation is glorious until the point that we begin to tell others about our story. That we tell others how good God has been to us, glory to God, and share with them and lead them to Jesus. And then if we lead them to Jesus, guess where they're going to want to be on Sunday? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's nothing that I have prepared for you. That's just out of my heart. Amen. But we've got to go from the pool to the river. We've got to go to live in this thing. Huh? Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. He said, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for you yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served that, that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land that you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He makes a declaration and a determination that me and my house are going to serve. Now, you, you can choose who you want to serve. But I want my house blessed. Amen. I said, I want my house blessed. What does a blessed house look like? Is it a blessed house because of the square footage footage that you've got? Is it a blessed house because of how much money that you have in the bank? Maybe it's determined because you're a blessed house because of all that you inherited from generations past and you have now received. No, we put all of our trust in these type of things and we're, we're expecting our blessing to come from other places. We say we're blessed because we've got this house. Thank God for the house, huh? Come on. I said, thank God for the house. Amen. We, 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 we thank God for all of the blessings of God, but that within itself does not cause the house to be blessed. I believe that, that we, we, we put all, uh, what are we put, putting our trust in will begin to determine whether our house is blessed or not. Amen. What are you putting your trust in? What are you expecting your blessing to come from? And I believe that we can answer that question with another question answered. 
and that is this. What have we been chasing the past seven days? What is what is what in our life have as that the, the, you know the twenty four hours the, the, of the day the seven days out of the week the past seven days what have you invested most of your time chasing? What is it that has captured you and you're so passionate about? That, that you, you would say, this is what I'm running after. This is what I'm wanting to accomplish. Amen. You see, because you will, you will pursue what you're passionate about. Amen. You don't have to put it down. You can put it down on a list, but you don't have to put it down on a list. You just look at what is capturing your time. Where are you investing your time? The Bible says it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. And so when we look at what we have spent most of our time doing, when we look at our priorities, when we look at those things, then we will determine what we are hungry for. Do we have an appetite for the things of God? Amen. Do we have an appetite for the things of God? Now, do you realize this flesh does not have an appetite for the things of God? It wants to have fun. (laughs) Enjoy life. You only live once. Huh? And has no appetite for discipline. Has no appetite for the things of God. And it's your spirit man that says I'm starving to death. Can I tell you today that people are starving for God. They're looking for God. The preachers have preached in American pulpits for so long that we've accepted and believed it. They say things like this. People just don't want God no more. That's a lie. People don't want religion anymore but they're desperately seeking for God. They're looking for a real genuine God where they're not jumping through a bunch of hoops and dealing with all of this religious mess, but they're looking for God desperately. And if we would begin to say, God, I'm passionate for you, I'm hungry for you, and we discipline ourselves to the things of God, we can get people saved throughout the week. Amen. Amen. People at your works looking for God. Amen. Do you have an appetite for God? You know, if you don't have an appetite for God, how do you change your appetite? I mean, know that it's it's hard. You can look at me and tell I don't do it. But it's hard eating, like they say, good. Not only is it hard eating good, it's expensive. (laughs) Amen. But if you want to change your appetite from one thing to another, how do you do that? You eat something. You eat Brussels sprouts. Amen. Now I can't, I can't, that, that can't be my testimony. I'm not going to lie to you. 
But I can use something as an example is coffee. Huh? I probably told you this before. But how, how many coffee drinkers we got here? There you go. Glory to God. Some of you got both hands and a foot up. Amen. Now, whenever I drunk the first cup of coffee, do you want a cup of coffee? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll have a cup of coffee. I drank, tried to drink that cup of coffee. Honest with you, I left it there. I took about three sips and I said, dear God, why would anybody want to drink this mess? This does not taste good, David. I don't know why anybody got excited about a cup of coffee. But I would drink three sips here and then I would drink it over here a little bit. And then I would, uh, you know, I finally drunk half a cup. And then uh, uh, next time with fellowship, I drink a whole cup. And then next thing you know, I'm fixing me a cup in the morning. Every morning. <laughs> Amen. And then it got like the American Express. I didn't leave home without it. <laughs> and I developed an appetite for something that first tasted so terrible that I couldn't imagine why anybody would want to eat that or drink that, right? But you develop an appetite for it. And then, and then I found out on a fast one time, uh, you know, it was a fast and I started fasting and, and had a headache for three days. And I found out that that thing had done, I got addicted. Amen. And so I made a determination that, and I'm not preaching, you know, I know some folks preach against coffee and all that. I, I got better things to do. But, but I did make a determination that I would never get addicted to that sweet tea. My God, that, that is going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. Sweet tea. Is going to be there. Hallelujah. I know that for a fact. But I, I was so addicted to that. And it would give me a headache for three days whenever I go on a fast. And I said, I, I'm not going to let this control me like that anymore. So I determined how that I would take control over that. But there, what I'm trying to get is this is that, that we have to understand that we've got to, if you want to change your appetite, change what you're eating. And whenever you begin to eat differently, then your body will begin to crave that which you have chosen. Amen. And it's in the spirit that whenever we, when we choose the flesh, then we're going to desire the flesh. But I'm telling you, there's been times in my life when I've walked through the house looking for something to eat, looked through all the cabinets, looked through the refrigerator. There wasn't anything that, that, uh, that would uh, solve the appetite. There was not a desire. Why? Because it was not a natural desire. It was only until I got in a place of prayer and began to call upon God that my soul and my spirit was resolved that this is what you're looking for. This is what you're desiring. Glory to God. And today we've got to come to a place where that we change our appetite and are hungry for the things of God. The hunger for the word of God. Amen. Get hungry for the spirit. Get hungry for that relationship that you want to talk to him every day. Amen. Whenever we first fall in love with our spouse or you know, we, we talk, we'd go through any means. I know we got FaceTime and all that now, but, you know, used to be you didn't have anything just to, you know, you didn't even have a cell phone. You just have to get to one of those landlines somewhere. Huh? 
and we get to be able to talk to one another and, and you say, well, goodbye, and it's goodbye, and you hang up. No, you hang up. Then I'll hang up. See, some of y'all did it too. And, and we, we desire to hear one another's voice. We desire for that fellowship. And that's the way it ought to be with God, that we get, get connected with him to where we desire the things of God. We desire to hear his voice. We desire to have a relationship with him. Amen? And not just on Sundays. Going throughout the week, not talking to God, makes our Sundays weak. Amen? What makes your home a house of God? Well, let's look at what first doesn't work. Legalistic Christianity doesn't work. Where it's all about the don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do this. You you can't. Don't do this. Huh? And all the don'ts. And you've got to do this. And you've got to do this. Listen to me. Rules without relationship always leads to rebellion. I'm going to say it again. Rules without a relationship always leads to rebellion. You know, we was raised up in the church whenever everything was sin. If it was fun, if it, it made you laugh, it was sin. Huh? If you smiled, Joe, we knew you was up to something. And it wasn't good. Amen? And you needed to pray through. How many lived through that? Amen. It was sin if it was fun. (laughs) But listen, I found out that people were under that condemnation and that rebellion, especially children that was raised up in that. And whenever they got away from their families, they went buck wild. They went crazy. Why? Because they were rebelling against rules that had no relationship connected to them. But whenever you have a relationship with somebody, amen, it does not, it may be a rule like, you know, uh, well, I won't even get off on that. I've done spend enough time. But, but whenever you don't have a relationship, you don't want to, you don't enjoy the rules. So you begin to rebel against it. Amen. This is where we believe in God, but we live like there, he does not exist. We believe there's a God because we have Christianity rules without relationship. We live in a place of lukewarm Christianity where that we say we believe in God, but we don't live like it. Amen? We live like he doesn't exist. Yes, we believe in God, but our actions don't look nothing like it. We're Christian in name only, but the real passion for the things of God calls us to hunger for him till our life begins to look like we believe in God because we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen? When you are a disciple of him, there ought to be some resemblance of him in your life. Amen. You know, I'm thankful that, that, that my children took after Renee. 
Amen. I am so thankful. But I want them to have some resemblance of me. Y'all are quiet up in here today. I want there to be some resemblance of my bloodline. And if we are really part of Christ, then there ought to be some resemblance of him in our life. It should show up in our lives. Because you see, when we are lukewarm, then we just say we believe, but we don't participate in the kingdom of God. We don't live by his desires, his wants, and his ways. How do you know when that your home is lukewarm? How do you know if your home is lukewarm? When, if you cannot remember the last time you prayed together, you're living in a lukewarm house. Amen. If there is no prayer going on in your home, Mom, dad, your parents should catch you praying. See, that don't even resonate. Whenever my dad, he, he, he worked a secular job, but he also pastored. But whenever he would come in from work, some, most of the time, uh, if he was, did not come to the dinner table, because that's whenever y'all ate to, still ate together, whenever he did not come to the dinner table, I didn't have to ask where he was. I knew where he was. I didn't have to ask, is dad out at the barn or is dad over here? No, I knew where he was. He was fasting and he was in his prayer closet. He was praying. Whenever I would wake up early of the morning and I would find him praying, I'm telling you that, that we are weak in the family because we have forsaken the family altar where we no longer pray in a private place. Now, you say, well, well that, that just is, isn't what we do. Yes, it is what we do. How, why don't we do that? We are Christian. And as Christians, we pray. Amen? It's hard for you to fuss with your spouse if you're praying for one another. Amen. It's hard for me to fuss with my wife if I hear her praying with me and she's saying, God, help him. Show him grace and mercy and show him your kindness today. and Be with him and help him to make good decisions and good choices in his life today. And God, just let your blessing and your love overflow him. It's hard for me to get up from there and say, now I want this house cleaned up and you better be straight. And pointing out all of her failures and her, huh? Come on, somebody. It's quiet because we don't do that anymore. But whenever we are not praying together, that's a sign of lukewarmness. Amen? When we are no longer convicted of what we watch or what we hear or what we do, it's a sign of lukewarmness. Amen. Well, pastor, that's just old timey preaching. Call it whatever you want to. But it's reality. 
that if we don't get back to the principles in which we are built on, then we're just saying in name only that we're Christians, but we don't look nothing like a Christian. Amen. Renee and I went on a date night a few, well, it's been several months back and we didn't know what the movie was. We just heard a lot of racket about it. And so we went in and sat down uh, in the movie, paid, I don't know, it's ungodly. You been to a movie lately? Lord. And don't even think about buying none of that popcorn. <laughs> it costs you half the price of the movie. Amen. I don't know how I got on that. Oh, we went to the movie. And so we paid all this money, whatever it was, to get in and watch the movie. And honest to God, we weren't in there maybe four minutes. And it was ungodly, the stuff that was coming across that screen. And her and I, we was there, and we just got up and dismissed ourselves. Had to get people to get up and get out of our way so we could get out of there. But I wasn't going to sit there and listen to that vulgar mess go into my ears. Amen. I'm not going to go to and allow things to come into my living room and let my son or my daughter listen, see and uh, people have sex with one another. That stuff's not going to happen. It'll be cut off. Amen. We're not going to participate in those kind of things. I'm going to protect my eyes. I'm going to protect my ears. I'm going to protect what I say, amen, because if I don't protect those gates, what goes in is going to come out, amen. And so as a man thinketh in his heart, what are you going to think on? You're going to think on what you watch. You're going to think about what you hear. Come on. Those things are going to begin to be a process of your thought life and then begin to be operating in your life. And so we've got to be convicted of the things which we watch. Convicted of what we listen to. Huh? There's enough variety in the kingdom now. Used to be when I was growing up, there was only one thing, a southern gospel. Bluegrass, I guess, maybe, too. Some come crippled and some come lame, walking through Jerusalem just like John. I want to be ready. But there's enough genres, there's enough variety in the Christian world today that you don't have to go listen to some tear in your beer. Man, I love it. You can pull from the Christian world if you want rap. I ain't going to try that. But if you want rap, they got it. If you want heavy metal, they got it. If you want southern gospel, they got it. If you want country, they got it. Huh? And sometimes we just got to disconnect from all of that stuff in the world. And I'm not preaching against all, you you do whatever you want to do. But there ought to be a conviction in your heart. And allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you. All I'm saying is, is there's a variety of genres today that you can get your thing and still hear gospel truth in your life. Amen. So, and some people are, are, don't protect their ears. Amen. There's a boy pulled up beside of me the other day in one of them trucks that had the speakers in the back of it. And he was playing some ungodly stuff and vulgar. 
And so I don't know, I'm sure I didn't blast him out, but I couldn't hear it no more. I just turned mine up all the way. Amen. We're no longer convicted over anything. We're lukewarm. Amen. When prayer and worship and the word are no longer a main priority in your daily schedule, not on Sunday, but in your daily schedule, then you're lukewarm. Amen. If you, if there is not a daily schedule of prayer and the word of God and worshiping God, then we've missed it somewhere and we need to get back on track. If we're not giving ourselves away, serving others, and it all becomes about us and not about him and about others, then we're lukewarm. We have become self-centered. Amen. 85% of Americans say they're Christians but they are not Christ-centered. They are not, they, they say they're Christians, but Jesus is not the center. He's not the epicenter of their lives. A real Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ. It's more than a Sunday morning thing. Our day, every day of our life should revolve around him. Amen. I know a few years ago that it started this thing where that I heard people would tell me, they say, well, pastor, I can't come on Sunday or I can't come on Wednesday. We, we have family time that we spend together. And I just asked myself, what is family time? I thought that the church would be a good place for family to come together. Amen. But what is family time? What does that mean? Family time is not your family laying all over the house. Kids upstairs playing their games. Dad watching football. Mom in on Facebook or some other social media. That's not family time. Amen. The best I can figure, family time is when you add value to your family. If, if you are not adding value to your family, then you're not really having family time. You've just made an excuse. Amen. Family time has to be making an investment into your family. Investment into your marriage an investment into your children, and if it does not add value to your children, to your, your wife or your husband, to your relationship, if it doesn't add value to your family, then it's not family time. I know it's a little different today, but as I was praying and meditating on the things of God, I asked God, uh, three or four weeks ago, I said, how is it that it seems like that people today, and I, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, I'm saying the corporate body of Christ, how is it today 
that people come to the church and they seem that they're not connected. We're still disconnected. Excuse me for reminiscing for just a moment, but folks used to come to church and they worshiped with such passion that I wanted to know the God they were worshiping. People prayed, and I ain't just talking about emotional, but but people would pray, and you knew they were serious. You knew that they had power with God. People would rejoice over the word of God. They would get excited about the word of God. Amen. And they would, they would just, it was like that, that you just brought them in naturally to a smorgasbord, a table, and, and they got so excited about, about hearing the word of God. Huh? And it seems today, it seems to me that somehow we've lost that passion. Seems to me that, that, that it's become commonplace just to come to church but, but don't have any power. Seems to me that, that, that we, have, we have traded our worship for a worship team. But thank God for the worship team. But they can't worship for me. It's not until I open my mouth. It's not until I give God my praise. Amen. And whenever I do that, then I am worshiping God. Nobody else can worship for you. Amen. It's got to be us, but it's become commonplace to, to, to come to church but never participate in church. But God created us to come together so that we could participate in worship, participate in the word, participate in the things of God so that we could see his goodness and his glory be manifest not just individually but corporately on the whole house. Amen. And so I'm asking God this question, and, and that is where that this, this word is birthed from today. I says, God, what is it? And in and, and, and my spirit, I, I believe I heard him speak and say, it's because their house does not look anything like my house. It's hard to get in and have a flow in the river whenever you haven't been flowing in the river all week. Let me say it this way. It's hard to get in the word if you haven't been in the word all week. It's hard to get into worship and connect in worship whenever you come in to the house of God if you haven't been worshiping all week. And so we have to have people pump us up and come on, clap your hands. Come on, say amen. Come on, come on. Huh? And because we're not in the flow, we're not in the zone. And we take and we're going, coming in out of a cold natural state at best into a, and then to have a spiritual experience, but there is no spiritual experience all week long. So we don't rejoice over the word because it just sounds like another word. We don't rejoice in worship because we can't connect in worship because we haven't been practicing or participating all week long. 
And so our house doesn't look anything like his house. And so we leave one culture, come into another culture that becomes strange to us or only compartmentalized to a one dime a week service. And it's hard for us to go anywhere in the river of God whenever we're just participating once a week. Amen? Do you realize that everything that you find in this house corporately should be found in your house privately? Amen? You, you, the, the prayer should be in your house. Worship should be in your house. Amen? The word of God should be in your house. And if those things are not happening in your house, then yes, you you can experience some level, but you will not experience the full level of us coming together corporately, of us experiencing the goodness of God, because if it is, then we have to start all over every Sunday. I describe it as a train. Those who on the worship team and, and those who lead worship know what I'm saying because I tell it all the time. Worship is like a train. And whenever you get that train going, I don't want, you know, to stop the train. I want the train to flow, the worship to flow, to get into the word. And we get into the river of God and we experience all that God wants. But the same thing is true through the week. If we're stopping the train when we leave here on Sunday and don't start it back up till next Sunday morning, it's hard to get anywhere. Come on, somebody. But whenever we're participating and we keep that train running all week long, when we come here corporately, praise God, that steam engine gets powerful. It gets strong. The places you couldn't break through alone through the week, when we come together corporately, strongholds come down. Situations begin to shift and to change. Why? Because what we have been doing individually all week long, we come together corporately and begin to do it together. And there's power and his grace and his glory is revealed in another uh, dimension amen everything that is in this house should be in your house and if it's not then you'll continue to be a weak Christian Joshua required them to choose in our text that was just the preliminaries. Now I'm going to preach. Not really. I've got a couple minutes. In our text this morning, Joshua calls Israel together and speaks to them on God's behalf. And he says to them, God reminds them of all that he has done for them. All that he's done for Israel. He says, tell them that I'm the God of your fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, tell them I'm the one that sent plagues and that I'm the one that brought them out of Egypt's bondage and I brought them through the Red Sea and tell them that I'm the one that put darkness between them and their enemies, that they were not able to, uh, to come in and destroy them. He said, tell them I gave them power to possess the land. Amen. He said, I, when they came to me to curse Israel and I didn't listen to Balaam, 
I, I, I stayed faithful to them. I didn't choose to curse them, but I choose, chose to bless them. He said, you remember, remind them that when those seven armies came against them and they were outnumbered seven armies to one, that it was me that gave them victory in their life. It was me that gave them the land that they did not have to labor for. I gave them cities that they did not build and even vineyards that they did not plant. God is saying, after all that I've done for you, you're still looking back. After all that I've done for you, you're still wanting to go back to Egypt's bondage. You, 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 you want to go back to what has been. And, and he said, I want you to call them to a decision today whether they want to look like Christians or be Christians. I want you to call them to a place to remind them that these are all the things that I've done for you and I've been good to you. How many can testify today that God has been good to you? He has been a provider. He has been a shelter. He has been a help. He has been a way solver. He has been a problem uh, solver. He has been a way maker. He has done all of these great things. And the greatest thing that he ever did is brought us out of sin and put our feet upon a solid and a firm foundation, huh? He blessed us coming in and going out and called us by his name. He, he's been good to us just like he was good to Israel. But Joshua says after all that he's done for you what are you going to do with him are you going to continue to be back and forward are you going to continue to be in and out are you going to continue to be wishy-washy are you going to continue to just be christian and name only and be lukewarm and have no relationship with me are you going to connect with me and know me as your God? Joshua says, I don't know what everyone else here is going to do. I might be the only one. But he said, I've already made up my mind for my house. Amen. I've already made up my mind for my house that as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. God is gracious. God is merciful. God is kind. But there comes a point in your life when you've got to choose. You've got to choose the relationship that you're going to have. You've got to choose what is it that is really important in my life, huh? You've got to choose, am I going to serve the Lord? Am I going to give him my whole heart? Am I going to give him, is he going to be not only Savior, but going to be Lord of my life? Am I going to get an appetite and develop an appetite for the things of the Spirit and not the things of the flesh? It's time for us to choose, what are we going to serve? Are we going to serve, be controlled by our flesh? Or are we going to walk by the spirit? Your relationship with God is like any other relationship. If you don't invest in it, if you ignore it, it will break down and it will go away. If you don't invest in your marriage, 
your marriage will break down. If you don't invest in relationships with your brother, your sister, whatever those relationships are, then those relationships will break down. They will dissolve. They will go away. If today we do not invest in our relationship with God, if we ignore it, if we just come on Sundays and we sing songs, thank God for all of that. If we just hear the word on Sundays, thank God for all of that. But if it's never applied to our life, if we don't do any of it throughout the week, dear God, folks, you realize where we're living You realize what we're dealing with? Oh, it's a safe place in here. Huh? I feel his Holy Spirit. It's a safe place in here. But you're going out among demagogues. You're going out where demonic spirits and principalities and powers of darkness and a culture that is anti-God. And you can't exist on a 30-minute message and 15 minutes of worship and maybe never even praying at all when you come on Sundays. That is not going to get you through in the times in which we live. We've got to have more than that. And whenever we have more than that, then our Sunday mornings will become more than this. Whenever you get a river of people that are worshiping, praying, (laughs) getting in the word throughout the week and come into this place corporately and begin to flow together, my God, what we cannot do, what we cannot do, But we've got to make a decision. Choose you this day. Amen. Peerless times shall come. Huh? Men will become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God and take on a form of godliness but don't have no power. Our brothers and sisters, we're dealing with industrial strength demons and the church needs some power. Power to destroy strongholds, principalities, powers of darkness, power to deal with issues, real issues that we're we're dealing with today. We have to have some power. And it's not just going to come on a Sunday morning whim. It's going to come because we're connected to him and have a relationship with him together. This region is waiting on somebody to rise up. This city is waiting. Our nation is waiting. Creation is waiting. The Bible said it's in groaning. 
What's it in groaning for? It's groaning for, I'm almost done. Come, Anthony, just play something for me. What is creation groaning for? It's groaning and waiting for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. That's not talking about male or female. It's talking about relationship. Why is creation groaning and awaits anticipation for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God? Because creation remembers what it was like whenever Jesus was here. Is that all right? It remembers whenever Jesus was here, the manifestation, the son of God, that he spoke to the wind and the wind had to obey. He spoke to creation. He spoke to circumstances. And whenever he said it had to hear his voice and do it. He's saying all along for the days whenever the sons and daughters of God manifest, rise up and take authority. And I see that again in the earth. That's for real. That isn't some fairy tale. It isn't some something you read in a, a, a storybook. That is for real what God wants it to be in the earth. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be like Joshua. I want to say it's for me and my house. I want to be a part of what God's doing in this last day. Maybe I'd have preached it a little different. But my throat's messed up today. It's challenging. But I hope you get in my heart today. Because it's more than just a shout. We got to get the word and let the word change us and transform us. We've got to be the house of God. We've got to be the kingdom of God. We've got to be the people of God. And we've got to make a decision that as for me, can't make it for Joe, can't make it for Jim, can't make it for Jill, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You'll stand with me today, please.